Have you ever had that feeling when you leave the doctor's office and think, what did they just say? Or have any burning questions you didn't have time to ask? Or, I don't remember anything that just happened in that appointment. Or even, were they speaking my language? Yeah, us too. That's where we come in. We're the podcast dedicated to helping you understand what your doctor said about that thing you saw your doctor for in the first place. We understand it can be an information overload. We're here to help. I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher, a family medicine resident at Northrop General Hospital in Toronto. And I'm Jake Bloom, the person who doesn't know what's happening at the doctor's office. Welcome to Dr. Dictionary. I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this podcast isn't meant to be a replacement for a traditional doctor's appointment, nor is it meant to be providing medical advice. Rather, it's meant to be a supplement to your doctor's visit and explain why your doctor asked what they asked and help you explain the diagnosis and common treatment plans. Lastly, doctors often have very different styles and approaches to a patient and their diagnosis. If we discuss a question or treatment plan that your doctor didn't mention, that doesn't mean that they were wrong. This could represent a different in practice style or simply the fact that your doctor knows you better than we do and has created a treatment plan that better fits your lifestyle. All right, and welcome back to another edition of Dr. Dictionary. My name is Jake and joining me as he does every week is Toronto resident doctor, Josh Fletcher. How's it going, Doc? Not too bad. How about you? You know, pretty good. Pretty good. You know, this is our fourth episode on diabetes and we definitely encourage you to go back and listen to the first three episodes if you haven't already. And just as a Quick recap, episode one was on the basics of diabetes, episode two on the blood work, screening, and diagnosis for diabetes, and episode three was on the treatment of diabetes. This episode, we're going to briefly touch on the problems that can arise due to, you guessed it, diabetes. Josh, before we get into it, can you tell me what some of those problems are? So firstly, another word for this is complications. This basically means the problems associated with diabetes. There are two main categories of complications that can occur from diabetes, And this has to do with how diabetes actually affects your blood vessels. One category is called macrovascular disease. Macro meaning large, vascular meaning blood vessels. So these conditions are a result of diabetes affecting the large blood vessels in the body. Examples include the effect on the heart, leading to heart disease and heart attacks. The effect on the brain, leading to a risk of stroke or mini strokes called TIAs, or transient ischemic attacks. An effect on the blood vessels leading to the legs and arms, or even the stomach. Poor circulation leading to leg pain when walking, and a risk of amputation even, or losing a limb. On the other hand, we have microvascular disease. Micro meaning small, again vascular meaning blood vessels. Examples include problems with your eyes, which is the most common cause of blindness in people of working age. Problems with the kidneys. Diabetes is actually the number one cause of new cases of kidney failure and the leading cause of kidney disease in Canada. Problems with your nerves. This increases your risk of losing feeling in your feet or even higher than that. Having burning pain in this area and developing ulcers or open sores which can lead to infection. It can also lead to problems with obtaining erections during sexual activity in men, also known as erectile dysfunction. So what is the reason you're having all these complications from diabetes? Is it from the effect of the diabetes on those blood cells, like you were just speaking about? 
So exactly, having high levels of sugar in your blood can lead to damage to the blood vessels themselves over a long period of time. And it happens all around the body, big and small blood vessels, leading to the problems that we see with diabetes. This also highlights why we need to keep our blood sugar well controlled, which we spoke about in episode 3. Whether that's with diet and exercise, or more commonly a combination of medications with a healthy lifestyle, we really need to keep our blood sugar well controlled. Let's start with macrovascular complications of diabetes uh, you just spoke about. Can we first talk about heart disease? What do I need to know for this? So like I just spoke about, diabetes leads to the faster development of heart disease compared to people without diabetes. Signs of heart disease including chest discomfort or crushing chest pain, which sometimes can be described as an elephant sitting on your chest. It can be associated with pain in the arm, jaw, back, neck, and sometimes even the stomach. You can have problems breathing or be short of breath, can become quite sweaty, have nausea or vomiting, and might even feel lightheaded. This pain is often worse with exercise or strong emotions and is better after resting. Now it's really important that if you experience any of these symptoms to go see your doctor immediately or go to your local emergency department. And what about stroke and mini strokes? So this is the same sort of reason you can get heart disease. The effect of diabetes and the blood vessels in the body, leading to an increased risk of stroke. The higher your blood sugar levels, the higher your risk of stroke and heart attacks. Now, signs to watch out for, a very good mnemonic is B fast. B for balance. The E and B stands for eyes, so sudden loss of vision or blurry vision. F is facial drooping. A, arm or leg weakness. S, speech difficulty. And then the T is time, so time to call 911. So if you have any of these symptoms, it's paramount to call 911 and go to your local emergency department immediately. So that's B-E-F-A-S-T. Balance, eyes, facial drooping, armor, leg weakness, speech difficulty, and time to call 911. Exactly. I should put that on my fridge. And lastly, for those macrovascular or big blood vessel problems, you mentioned there could be issues with circulation to your legs. What would that look like? So we call this peripheral vascular disease. Peripheral or the periphery, meaning to the outskirts of something, in this case, blood vessels away from your heart. And then again, vascular blood vessels. In this case, you can get problems with the blood vessels leading to your arms and legs, leading to a narrowing here and decreased blood flow to your limbs. This most commonly affects the arteries to the legs, and it can sometimes even happen to the stomach or in intestines. Now, when this happens, your legs aren't getting enough blood flow when you're walking, and it can cause cramping, pain, and tiredness of the legs, which is better after rest. In the stomach, it can cause pain after eating because blood flow isn't good enough. Now, ultimately, if it gets really bad, you can get pain at rest, and it increases your risk for needing an amputation. Are there any other conditions that increase your risk of having these problems? So, great question. This is very important. I'll focus on heart disease just to answer this question. But when we think of risk factors for developing heart disease, there are a few key things to mention. Sometimes we can't help some of these risk factors. We call them the non-modifiable risk factors, like family history or genetics. Now, there are risk factors that you can control, however, which we call the modifiable risk factors. Diabetes is a huge risk for heart disease, but other ones include high blood pressure, aka hypertension, high cholesterol, and smoking. 
And this is where you can make a difference. You might already have a diagnosis of high blood pressure or high cholesterol before you're even diagnosed with diabetes in the first place, or vice versa. So overall, getting your cholesterol and blood pressure under well control, quitting smoking can really help decrease your risk of having any of these problems. And so what's the treatment of some of these problems? So we could spend multiple episodes talking about this question. The treatment specific to the problem itself, for example, treating a stroke or having a heart attack. However, the biggest thing is prevention. How do we prevent this from happening? Or if you have heart disease, how do we prevent it from getting worse? Okay, so how do you prevent it? So when we think about prevention, there's a handy mnemonic which we follow in the doctor's office. And it says the ABCDEs. A stands for A1C, which if you remember from episode 2 is the marker of your blood sugar over a 3-month average. Controlling your blood sugars is one of the most important things we can do to prevent any of these complications. And getting your A1C at target is extremely important here. And if you haven't already, I encourage you to listen to episode 2 for more information on this and different targets. Now the B in ABCDE stands for blood pressure. Making sure your blood pressure is well controlled, and if you have diabetes, specifically less than 130 over 80. C stands for cholesterol. We measure this on your blood tests, and similar to diabetes, we can lower it through living a healthy lifestyle, good diet and exercise, for example, and medications. D stands for drugs, and these are specific medications your doctor may put you on or start to help lower your risk of heart problems. We spoke about some of them for diabetes in episode 3, and they're the medications to help control your blood pressure, your cholesterol, etc. E stands for exercise and eating, or living a healthy lifestyle. And the S in ABCDEs stands for smoking slash stress. Quitting smoking, managing stress is also very important. Now, there are also specific screening tools your doctor may use to see if you're at risk for developing these problems. For example, doing an ECG or electrocardiogram, where we put the stickies on your chest to see the electrical activity of the heart. Treadmill tests, called exercise stress tests, depending on your symptoms, where you walk on a treadmill or are given a medication if you can't walk, and we see how your heart handles this. And then, of course, the blood test looking for your cholesterol, checking your blood pressure, taking your weight when you come into clinic, etc., What about the microvascular complications of diabetes you spoke about? Can you first talk about the eye problems? So sure, this is called retinopathy, which is a fancy word for damage to the retina of the eyes. And again, this happens because of the effect of high blood sugar on the tiny blood vessels supplying your eyes. The number one thing we can do here is screening. We have to see an eye doctor in regular intervals to have your eyes checked out and monitored for retinopathy. Depending on when you were diagnosed with diabetes, if you had previous eye problems before, etc., this dictates how often you get your eyes screened. And there's also usually no symptoms until you begin losing your vision, so screening is very important. We also follow the same prevention strategies we just spoke about. Your A1C control, blood pressure, cholesterol, etc. There are specific treatments we can do to the eyes if you're at risk for losing your vision, and your eye doctor can talk to you more about these if this is the case for you. Does the same apply for kidney problems then? Are the best ways to prevent it with those same prevention strategies? Exactly. We get kidney problems for the same reason you have eye problems. Damage to the tiny blood vessels in the kidneys affecting their function. When this happens, we start to get protein being excreted in the urine, which is a sign of kidney damage. And we call this nephropathy 
nephro meaning kidney, and the opathy meaning underlying problem with or an abnormality with. We make this diagnosis based on your overall kidney function, as well as the amount of protein being released by the kidneys. And we screen for this on blood work. We look for a marker of the kidney called your creatinine, which you might have heard of before, to calculate your true kidney function called your GFR. There's another blood test we can do to test the amount of protein in the urine called the ACR. Now, risk factors for worsening kidney function. Longer duration of diabetes and worse blood sugars, high blood pressure and high cholesterol, obesity, and smoking. So as you can imagine, the ABCDEs we just spoke about before are very important as well. The progression of your kidney disease can be slowed and reduced, again, by good blood sugar management and good blood pressure management. There are also specific medications that we can use to protect the kidneys and slow down this progression, and your doctor will decide if these are right for you. If you remember to the last episode as well, we spoke about medications to avoid when not feeling well, as these can also reduce your kidney function if you're really dehydrated. And if this is the case, you should stop your metformin, your SGLT2 inhibitors like empagliflozin or Jardians, or canagliflozin or Invocana, and stop your glycoside or dimicron. But in general, it's best to talk to your doctor and ask them this question to see if there are any other medications you should stop when not feeling well as well. So you also spoke about problems with nerves that can arise as well as from having diabetes. Can you talk about these a little bit more? Sure. So this is called neuropathy, neuro meaning nerves. Most commonly, people experience a loss of sensation in the toes and feet. You can have sharp shooting pains or burning pains, numbness or tingling, or a sense like your limb fell asleep. Now you might be wondering, what's the big deal if I have decreased sensation to the tips of my toes? But the problem actually is that you can no longer feel pain or really anything in that area. So for example, if you have a small cut there, you really can't feel this, you don't pay attention to it. With diabetes, your wounds and cuts don't heal as well as usual to begin with because of the higher blood sugar that you have. And if you can't feel this, they can continue to get worse until it leads to an ulcer forming or or an open sore. And this can be challenging to treat. It can increase your risk of infection. It ultimately increases your risk of amputation as well. In the office, your doctor can do specific physical exams to screen for any decreased sensation to the feet or other parts of the body where you might be experiencing these symptoms. One of the most important things you can do here is good foot care. Your doctor might send you to a foot care specialist like a podiatrist or chiropodist who specializes in these problems. Making sure you're examining your feet on a daily basis, wearing shoes that aren't too tight, good nail care, moisturizing your feet, treating any cuts or sores that arise immediately, all are very important tenets of care. Other than that, we again turn to the same prevention management. Good blood pressure control, good blood sugar control, quitting smoking, etc. All important in preventing neuropathy. Lastly, there are medications that can help with pain associated with the neuropathy if that is more like what you're experiencing, and your doctor can address these if this applies to you. Lastly, you spoke about erectile dysfunction earlier. How is this related to diabetes, and what can you do about it? First of all, just to repeat from before, erectile dysfunction is problems with obtaining erections during sexual activity in men. So erectile dysfunction can have a huge effect on quality of life in men with diabetes, and it's not that rare either. Diabetes Canada estimates that approximately 34 to 45% of adult men with diabetes have erectile dysfunction. 
The mainstay of treatment for rectal dysfunction is medications like Viagra or Sildenafil or Cialis or Tadalafil. Speak with your doctor if this is an issue that you're experiencing. And if it isn't working for you, it's important to tell your doctor about this as well. There's also a risk of men with IBS having low testosterone, and this can lead to a higher risk of heart problems down the line as well. Symptoms of low testosterone include a lower interest in sex, erectile dysfunction, low mood, poor energy, muscle weakness or cramps, but majority of people are asymptomatic. And again, it's important to talk to your doctor if you're experiencing any of these symptoms. And finally, Josh, what resources do you recommend to learn more about complications with diabetes? So Diabetes Canada, again, is an excellent resource, has tons of information on diabetes type 1 and type 2. It talks about the complications. It talks about the basics, the diagnosis, the treatment of diabetes. And it goes into a lot of detail. There's also an excellent podcast series if you want more detail on any of the topics we've been covering so far. In the USA, the American Diabetes Association is another great resource with a plethora of information on all things diabetes. All right, so that just about wraps up another episode of Dr. Dictionary. Josh, thank you so much for breaking down all the complications that can go into diabetes. Thanks, Jake. And as always, if anyone has any extra questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at thedrdictionary.gmail.com or tweet us at the Dr. Dictionary. And we'll have an additional episode in our diabetes series coming up next, and it will talk all about hypoglycemia. So we hope you tune in for that. I'd like to thank Dr. Rob Silver, an endocrinologist at University Health Network in Toronto, for peer-reviewing this episode, as well as Nick and John Braganiolo for recording the original music. All right. Thanks for listening.